Well, we are in a series here called Gospel Deep, His Glory Lived Out. His Glory Lived Out. Uh, Romans 1 through 11 was uh, several dis- different Gospel Deep series as we walk- walked along there. Gospel Deep, where we saw what Christ did for us in the midst of our loss and our mistake and our shame. And right, our sin is what train wrecked our home and my own life. And and yet Christ coming in to give what we did not deserve and care for us in ways unimaginable. And that pouring in for you and for me, that's Romans 1 through 11 and all the detail of that gospel message. And yes, it affects every facet of your life. And now we're talking about gospel deep, his glory lived out. Uh, specifically today, as we're looking in Romans 15, uh, he's getting a little bit more narrative style. A little bit more story style now at the end of Romans 15 and into 16. He's talking a little bit more about some things he has going on in life. And Paul's making some stuff clear about what he's going to be covering. And and so we're seeing his life unfold. We're seeing a story, a true story unfold in in story style. And so it gives us uh, a little bit of insight to Paul. Now we're not looking at Romans from this um, command form. They call it the didactic where it's like, do this. It's not that so much. Now we're seeing him do some things and he's modeling out for us. And we're going to learn from Paul's model today. How should we live out the mission of glorifying our Savior, Jesus Christ? How should we live out the mission of the church? And what's my role individually and what's our role corporately? That's what we're answering today as we get a little insight into Paul's approach to living out the mission, all right? So turn with me, if you will, to Romans 15, starting in verse 22. Romans 15, 22. We got ushers coming forward, and they've got Bibles in their hands. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you, all right? Just raise your hand. They'll get a Bible to you. Romans 15, starting in verse 22. The first point here of what we should do is a plan. See needs and opportunities, set ministry in motion. Plan. See needs and opportunities and set ministry in motion. All right. We look here in verse 22 and uh, it says, This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now since I no longer have any room for work in these regions and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. And... uh All right, I got to be honest with you. When I was reading the passage this week, starting out, even last week, kind of reading ahead a little bit, I'm like, where am I going with this thing? And uh, Spain and and, uh, travel and uh, where are we going with this? And, you know, what you really see Paul doing here is you see him making plans, some things that we can learn from how he makes plans. And and, uh, notice it says, uh, this is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. This is the re- what's the reason? Like whenever you see a pronoun like that, like the word this, make sure you understand what it's defining. It comes right before it. And uh, Paul's talking about the mission that he was called to, the mission of being able to share the gospel with those who have been as yet unreached. Gentiles that he could make clear who Jesus Christ is and he's excited about going off and planting churches by Informing people of the Savior Jesus Christ who have never heard of him before and because he's been so busy about that well this Is why i've been hindered from coming to you And uh, he hasn't been able to get to rome because he's been out uh, Leading people to christ and starting up churches He says but now since I no longer have any room for work in these regions Really? 
Every last person was saved. No, that wasn't what Paul felt his call was to be. Remember, we quoted the verse last week as we went through his life verse. And his challenge was, I see my calling to go and be able to share with those who have never heard of Christ before. And I'm telling you this, every city in this area has at least now heard of Christ. And we have people there who are trusting Christ. And because of that, I'm now leaving that city in good hands for them to take on that church and grow it and make Christ glorify them or raise them up and him be glorified in it. Much being made of him. Paul moves on. And he's like, every city has now gotten that to happen. There is now no more room for me, Paul says, uh, for work in these regions since I have longed for many years to come to you. That's part of my plan. And uh, just so you know, when we're planning, I wrote these things down. Um, when desire and circumstances come together, uh, that's a good opportunity. And uh, that's how God often leads us is he gives you desire and then he opens up circumstances where you can take the steps. And uh, often we kind of trick ourselves. We ask ourselves this question about this, the will of God. And we're like, yeah, but maybe this is a trick. Right? Maybe God's making it available to me because I'm supposed to have to turn it down. And I'm not really sure why. And, and be careful. And uh, I'm not saying that sometimes we don't need to really have our eyes open and understand a bigger picture and, and do turn some things down. But hear me, when you have true desire going on and it's not self-absorbed, self-centered, lift me up desire, but it's like, God, I want you glorified. Where do you want me? Desire and circumstances make themselves available. Well, often that can be a great step in moving forward. Everybody hear me a great step. Say the word step. It's just a step, man. It's your plan from knowing nothing and him knowing everything. And you're like, Lord, it seems really clear that I should take a step in this direction. Like that's what planning is, is you decide where you're headed and then you step out accordingly. All right. And, and, uh, step, uh, don't force it. Wait for God's timing. But when your desire meets with circumstances that are open. We call those open doors oftentimes. That's a good opportunity to prayerfully take a step and see how God leads. Um, he says here, I no longer have any room for work in these regions. And since I've longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you. Once I have enjoyed your company for a while, I hope to stop and see you as I'm on my way to Spain. You got to picture it. He's out kind of in the Middle East area on his way back through. We're going to see in just a little bit. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And then after that, he's going to stop in Rome. And then after that, he's on his way out to Spain. His end point goal is Spain. Why? Because his life verse is Lord, help me share with those who have not heard of you. Can't wait to get out there to that area and start sharing the gospel. Paul, do you know Spanish? No, I do not. Like, how's this going to work out, man? And right. And you know what? Paul is not worried about the details. God's calling him. He'll step and we'll see what's going to happen. And uh, it's an amazing privilege to be able to be a part of God's plan. It's an amazing privilege to be able to take steps out and, uh, so I say the word plan and some of you love it. You're like, yes, planning. I always carry a number two pencil with me. 
so that I can be writing down new plans. And then when they don't work out, I kind of scrub those a little bit and rewrite them a little bit. But plan, I love to plan. And, and uh, let me just say this about planning, all right? Um, so planning is good. Planning is positive. We see Paul planning here. Um, I also want to say, I have noticed that certain people, some people like to use the word plan as code for control. Like, oh, I'm a planner. You know what I mean? Like, I need to know exactly where you're going to be and when you're going to be there. And I need to make sure that it's going to work the way I want it to work. And, and sometimes when we say I'm a planner, we're actually saying I have to have every detail under my thumb. Be careful. All right. Planning is saying, God, where do you want me? Not where do I want this world to go and I'm going to control it. All right. Planning is not my effort to control the world. Planning is my Lord. How do I align with you? And uh, some of you are shrinking a little lower in your seats right now. You're like, that's so me. I plan everything. And uh, I'm okay with planning. Just be careful that you don't step over into trying to control with the plan. The power of the question, right? You can ask a question because you really want to know. Or you can ask a question because you intend to move the other person and control them. Be careful. Just be careful how you work with people, all right? So planning. Uh, Paul is making plans. Let's just study this plan for a little bit. Jerusalem, Rome, Spain. All right. Just so you know, this is towards the end of Acts. Acts 19 mentions this exact circumstance. All right. And Paul's on his way to Jerusalem. The Macedonian churches and the Achaia churches, we're going to talk about that in the next point here. They have mustered up a bunch of gifts for the people in Jerusalem. There's been some hardship that's gone on and they are now providing some things for them and some uh, property and some money for them. And they're getting it to them through Paul. Paul's going to bring it to Jerusalem. And his plan is after Jerusalem, I'm on my way out. I'm going to head to Rome. And uh, guess what? That's not what goes down. Paul gets to Jerusalem and it all goes sideways and he gets arrested. Acts chapters 22 to 28. Paul is now put in prison. Yeah, he ends up in Rome in jail. Okay. And so his plan was to get to Spain to be able to share the gospel. And so he took the one next step that made sense. Jerusalem. And God's like, yes, Jerusalem. Just so you know, I love your life verse, Paul. And we're going to derail that for a moment. That's not where we're headed. I am going to take you to Jerusalem. And then from there, I am going to take you to Rome in a whole different way than you thought. And now you're going to be in prison. And instead of now sharing the gospel with people who have never heard, you are going to be penning letters to churches that are under crisis and needing to be stirred. You are going to be building up these churches. And those letters are going to be used for the next thousands of years to grow my church. That's God's plan. Yeah, Paul didn't see that. He didn't know that was coming, but that's what was coming. And uh, sometimes when we're in the middle of making plans, we have no clue what God's going to be doing next. But I'm telling you, God uses this. The one obvious next step and the desire that I have, and I'm letting those align as I step out, and we trust God along the way. And uh, yes, you might be in prison in Rome, Right? You don't know where it's going to take you. And uh, it took Paul to a very important position. Uh, He ended up writing the letters of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon in jail in Rome. It was actually more of a comfortable kind of prison. 
And uh, he was able to have a ton of visitors. So he was able to see these guys. He's like, I can't wait to see you. And oh, he got to see him. All right. A little bit different than he wanted to, but he got to see them and he was able to encourage them and uh, stand strong with them. And I'm just telling you, I can't even imagine what it did for the church at Rome to have a man of this level of experience and knowledge and passion and persistence and faithfulness in prison going, this is awesome. I'm in jail. Somebody get me a pen. We're going to write some churches, man. We're going to make some impact from right where we sit and people being saved within the prison and people being saved in that community and churches being strengthened. And did God know what he was doing? Okay, let me ask that again. Real question. Did God know what he was doing? Yeah. How often do we get in a position where we're like, I don't understand what God's doing. And then our next thought is he must not know what he's doing. Because I know what I would want, and it's not this. And be careful. The sovereign God of the universe, knowing everything, has plans too. May our plans sit under his plans. Lord, help me worship and serve you wherever you place me. And all of God's people said, planning, huge deal. And uh, once I have enjoyed your company for a while, man, make sure you take time for people, not just task. Once I have enjoyed your company for a while, he's taking some time to encourage and to listen and to hear that's his plan. He wants to get out there with them and be with the people. And uh, maybe I'll just say this too: take time to enjoy your company for a while. Uh, in your planning, don't overstay your welcome. You know what I'm saying? And some of you are like, amen to that. And uh, I have my extended family come and they need to hear this part of this verse. And, uh, Just be careful, okay? Make sure that you love on people and you care for people and you're pouring into their lives and make sure you also give them a little bit of space to breathe too, all right? And Paul is like, I'm going to spend some time with you. And then my plan is to move on to Spain. And uh, Paul, he did have some plans. He did have some purposes. They were all about glorifying God and God had very other thoughts in mind. But God used his one next step, going to Jerusalem, to be all about God's plan, all right? Be faithful in stepping out. Align the desire with the circumstance and then trust God for the rest and watch God work. Um, I have seen this so many times over. God literally works when we take the trusting step. That's what he's using. It's a call of our own faith and trust in him. If you're standing there waiting, saying, God, do something, you're going to be shocked how long you have to wait. He does call on us to act on what makes sense biblically and in glorifying him plan and then step out. And uh, I love what God's doing in this church, man. We've got a ton of ministries going on. We've got midweek ministries. We've got Sunday ministries. We've got ministries that are some, some of them are just once a year kind of ministries. And we've got kids ministry all the way up to adult ministry. And how do we decide what we're doing? Like, how do we know what we're going after? I'll tell you, some churches are just like, just give the guy a dart and let him throw it. And wherever it lands, man, we're doing that too. And just let it keep racking up. And uh, that is not our planning method here. All right. And uh, so we do look for four things when we go to plan something. And I'll just tell you where we're at with ministry, just so you've heard a little bit. All right. We don't just launch out and do something wildly or other. We want to see it line up with these four things. First, we must see the need. We're not big on if you build it, they will come. Okay. 
We must see the need. God reveals a need. He shows you some things and he's starting to show you where he's working. It doesn't mean the vastness of the need is shown, but he's beginning to reveal to you some of what's going on and you can step with that need and help care for it. He may grow it even bigger than need. So now you get to care for it even more. And, but we step out because of need. Uh, number two, it must align with our vision. We will be about making disciples. That's what we're here for. All right. That's what we're all about. Man, there are some great humanitarian efforts in this world. I have nothing against them, but we will not just go take on raw humanitarian effort. All right. We will be about taking on some things. There might be some stuff we touch that in the instant seems to be somewhat humanitarian, like just caring for a physical need, but it actually cares for the gospel need as well. We'll talk about that in the next point. Um, Our big thing is make disciples. And so how do you define a complete disciple? Well, one who worships, walks, works, and witnesses. So our ministries will hang on those W's. Which of the four W's is it? Those are the ministries we're doing. Uh, Well, I can't really put it on one of those four W's. It's not really one of those W's. It's sort of other. You probably won't ever find us doing it. Okay. That's where we go. So first is need. Second is vision. Third, do we have some money for it? Some dollars? Uh, If we can't afford it or fund it, we're not going to start it, right? God often makes available to you the opportunity to do something by giving you the resources to do it. And if we don't have the resources, we're not going after it. And lastly is uh, leadership. If we don't have leadership, we're not going. Our goal is not to constantly be placing paid pastoral staff over every single ministry and they have to run it and be it and do it. And you guys help run this church. And this church would not be what it is without you and your participation. We are huge on the mutual ministry, Ephesians 4. You partnering together for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We all together running together. There will be lay leadership in and associated with the ministry, and it will report underneath the staff guy as a part of it. All right? And so if we don't have the leadership, we're not going after it. Got an example, Tim? Yeah, so let's talk about this uh, special needs ministry for the children that we're going after. Like we've been talking about landing it and running it for the last six months or nine months. And uh, the needs have just been steadily growing around here. And it's a sweet ministry to be able to have, to care not only for the child and their needs, but also for the family and the needs that are unique to them. And so Heather's got a great heart for that. We've got a number of people here. I know we had a special meeting last week after the second service, and we had well over 20 leaders there that showed up and said, I'm willing to help. How do we do this thing? And now there's some excitement stirring on that ministry. Do we have need? Yes. Do we have vision? Yes. It will be all about making disciples for these little ones and uh, all the way up through age range wise. And uh, do we have dollars and leadership? Yes. Yes. We're going after that. Okay. So plan, make sure that when you're planning, you've got some, some idea and some understanding of what you're going after at the least this, what is my desire? That's godly and biblical. And what are the circumstances that are aligning at the least have those two in your mind, my godly desires and circumstances that will tell you your next opportunity of step to take and plan. Well, so uh simple question. Uh, are you a planner? Are you a planner because you're a controller or a planner because you really want to be in alignment with God and his glory time to let God lead in your life. As you take one faithful step out, the opportunity he's making available in front of you. Yes, plan. Yes, step out and trust.
All right. That's first. Second, share. Care for both the spiritual and the material needs. Care for both the spiritual and material needs. He says, at present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia, I have been pleased to make some contributions for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be uh, of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. Paul just kind of walking through this and he's like, hey man, I'm on your way. I'm headed to Rome. I'm going to stop at Jerusalem first and a few things that are going to go on. He says, at present, however, I am going to Jerusalem. Sometimes our plan has a short-term interrupt in the plan and that's okay. Like in the long run, here's where I'm headed. But in the short run, here's one thing I got to take care of. And uh, Paul's excited about being able to get to Jerusalem. Why? It says because uh, Macedonia uh, and Achaia, well, they've got some need and some help for the saints. Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contributions for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. Macedonia and Achaia, that's like a church, a set of churches who heard of a need somewhere else in other churches and they rallied together a collection and sent it with Paul to give to them. They cared for him. And, and uh, yes, this is in Acts 19 also. Uh, here's another place it is, 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 8. And uh, let me just read these verses to you from 2 Corinthians 8. It gives you a little understanding of the heart of the Macedonians and Achaeans. Here we go. We want you to know, brothers... About the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Are you hearing it? They were in a world of hurt, man. Macedonia and Achaia going through a ton of struggle with famine and loss and poverty and affliction. And they're like, who cares? We want to help out Jerusalem. We can muscle some stuff up here. And um, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Sharing in needs internationally because you have a heart of giving, not because you have abundance and you're giving out of your abundance a little bit of the leftovers that you don't need. Everybody say, not that, right? But sharing generously, meaning, yes, this is something I could have used for me or my family. And yes, there was some need for it, but we're going to forego a little bit and we're going to lay that thing down and hand it over to the others to help them. And we're praying that they might be blessed, that in the midst of this, they could sense God rallying around them and uh giving it is a huge part of the christian walk and uh, not just spiritually but also materially notice it says here the macedonians and the chaos they were pleased to make some contribution for the poor for they were pleased to do it and indeed they owed it to them paul just has a way with words doesn't he he's like hey of course they were giving their eternity is secure now, man. 
And it was the original sacrifice of the Jews in Jerusalem and the spreading out of those Jews and the word of God getting out to everyone. And they recognize what God's doing and that they had no business sharing in it. And now they get to. And they're like, we're in. Let's care for them. And, and they're pouring it back in. Sharing with others that you might make clear that the gospel given to you was out of awesome grace with high cost. Sharing. How often we believe sharing is actually supposed to be out of a massive wealth where we give to others because we didn't need it and it would rot if I didn't give it away. That's not it. It's, Lord, out of what you've shared and entrusted to me, may I make the gospel clear as I reach out and care for those around me. Sharing. And uh, caring for the needs of those right in your own backyard. And they're pleased and they owe it to give it. Uh, It's a huge deal to receive, but it's a bigger deal to give, even sacrificially give. And uh, Yes, sharing spiritually. Yes, sharing materially. All right. And uh, James 2, pretty clear. If you say you've got a faith and you just send this person out and you say, I'll pray for you but you're not helping their physical need. What good is it? And uh, James 2, bringing the smack down on this, I'll pray for you phrase, right? Let's be really careful. I love the power of prayer and God rallies on it. And we'll talk about that in the third point. And there is nothing wrong with prayer. Prayer is huge in our lives. And uh, if we properly understand it, um, But yes, there are times where God says, and I'm calling you to stand right alongside of the one next to you and the need they have, participate materially. Uh, Physical help. Uh, I just wrote these words down. If you only care for the spiritual, it's broken. If you only care for the material, it's broken. All right? If you're only caring for the spiritual, it's what the Gnostics did. They were like, this physical world is dumb, it's useless, it's sinful, it's horrible, don't worry about the physical, it's just eternity, let's care for that. And everybody say, that's not the plan. It's not the plan, man. It's both together, it's both and. And uh, if you only care for the physical, well, that's broken. It's humanitarian at best. It might be even completely self-serving if you're only giving something to someone so they think you're awesome. And... uh Let's be careful that we're not just about humanitarian effort. Let's be careful that we're not just about some kind of Gnostic spiritual only effort. Let's marry the two together and let's go after caring for the needs of those around us. And uh, you might be providing meals. You might be providing some uh, monetary assistance. You might be helping fix a car. You might be just sitting down with them and being a friend in a tough time. And who knows what it's going to bring. And uh, Notice he says... Uh, when this is completed and delivered, and I've delivered what was collected, then I'll move on to you. Finish what you start. When you're going to be sharing, don't start out with a great idea and then peel off towards the end and not get through with it all. Uh, I've put this down. To be fruitful, you must be faithful. To be fruitful, you must be faithful. Following through. Yes, a plan. Yes, you started. And yes, you try to follow through on that and make good on it. Look, if God changes the circumstances, that's one thing. But if you change the circumstances because you just want to, that's a problem. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to go help. And you get about halfway into setting them up and they're trusting in you. And then you just kind of fade off and you're nowhere to be seen. Be careful with that kind of help. 
And it's detrimental to the body. It's detrimental to you and your walk with Christ. And uh, we are called to share and we're called to share and complete that plan. And uh, any examples of that? I sat down this week and I was like, man, it'd be great to tell one story, but I just think that would be unfair. So let me tell like shotgun style many stories. Ready? Here we go. Uh, this last year and some of what you all have done, some of what we as a church have been able to do, started about a year ago with tornado assistance coming up on a one year anniversary of that thing. Some of you are like, I know I've seen the skies lately, right? We start feeling the temperature change and we see a little darker clouds and it brings back some memories, right? And uh, how much more does it bring back memories for those who have lost everything in it? And uh, we had 10 families uh, in this body that lost everything. And uh, we were able to partner with them and then a bunch of families that lost some things. And uh, praise God for insurance, that does help a ton, but we were still needing to come alongside with those families and help monetarily. And we sent some of you guys out. We put work teams on the place over there, cleaning up and fixing up and dragging things out. And there were tears and there were prayers and there was partnership and tornado assistance. Uh, how about Compassion Day? Every year in May, we do this one event one day. And this last year and the year before, we had over 700 people from this body rally together on that day. Everybody gets t-shirted up and we're all headed out. 20 or 30 people to each spot. We had over 30 locations in this community where we're doing various forms of physical care. Some got to share the gospel directly in that moment. Some just got to be the hands and feet of Christ, caring and preparing and sharing. And it was amazing to see what God did. Every year, we always have at least a handful of families families that come to this church because they saw what went down in your hearts, in your hands at Compassion Day. God does a huge thing. It's a great way for us to be aware of some of the ministries in this community. It's a great way for us to be a help and uh, putting it on the street for that day. And I love doing that. That's always the first Saturday in May. Set your calendar. First Saturday in May, always. Okay. Uh, When is that? Set your calendars, man. We are always going to be there. Compassion Day. Backpacks. We do that over the summer. There are a ton of needs in this area and uh, the East Peoria and greater area. We've started getting calls from other schools to please help them as well. And uh, this year we gave out over 300 backpacks, you know, and that's a ton of money, man. You guys are very giving and very benevolent with that. Love what you're doing. And as you're going out to pick up school supplies for your families, many of you, you're also picking up supplies for a family that could not afford it. And these kids get to go to school with fresh supplies for the year. And uh, praise God for that. Uh, We also, just so you know, this last year we were able to give them away here at the church. And so they were coming in and things lined up. I mean, we opened the doors. I forget if it was like one o'clock or something when we opened the doors. But like well before that, they were lined all the way up and around. And like the word was out. And they were in here. The lines were going for four straight hours. And it was just awesome to see them coming through. And the smiles and the kids' joy as they're walking out with backpacks and we were able to pray with some and talk to families. And I know I talked to a couple of families who had attended Harvest because of that. And uh, just a huge deal. Uh, it's a chance for us to be caring for the material and then letting God roll out where we can care for the gospel. But it will come. We will be faithful to it. All right. And... Um, There are many other short-term trips. We did a medical trip this summer to Haiti, and uh, we're going to have Pastor Abraham and some of uh, his men here next week. Uh, He's coming up. We've got a Harvest University up north where a bunch of the leadership from all the Harvest rally together, and so Pastor Abraham and his guys are going to be a part of that. We're going to have him here in the service next week, and uh, you'll hear a little bit from him at the announcement time, but excited to be able to get him in front of you guys again. God's just doing huge things there as the church is 
uh, booming strong down there in Jack Mella. Just some good things going on. And uh, we've been able to be a part of things. We helped launch a medical clinic up in the mountains. And uh, you don't get it till you've seen it. I can't put words to it that would make it clear enough. But let me just try for a second. Abject poverty. With a ton of smiles. I think I just described Haiti. Uh, it's amazing how much they're missing in physical wealth and how much they're getting in the joy. Okay. But there is a sickness that goes on. There is a, there is a health issues like crazy. So we put a clinic up in the mountains. The, the church down there did harvest Jack Mel. They set this up in the mountains about an hour from the church. Um, and it is amazing what God's been doing. They're just kind of a beacon there being able to care for them physically. We were the launch of it when we sent our doctors and nurses down to kind of open that thing up and get it going. And now it's running year round. Our hope is to be able to plant a church right there with that clinic. That's our goal. Uh, Not just the material, also the spiritual. Amen? Marrying the two together and seeing God doing amazing work as we care for the needs in this world and watch him do amazing things. So a simple question for you. Who? Who's God making you aware of that's in need? Who could you be reaching out to and caring for? Maybe it's someone in your impact group. Maybe it's a family member or a friend or a neighbor in the community where you could be dropping a meal by, where you could be uh, taking them out to dinner, where you could just be listening to their hurts and and crying with them and praying with them. And and, uh, maybe there's somebody that God's put in your mind already. Maybe not. Well, then let us help you with that. We as a church have a lot of connect into a lot of needs and we'd love to be able to get you plugged in with helping out with that. There's a variety of ministries. We've got care team and we've got the prayer team and there's a, a variety of places where you could jump in to care for the material and the physical. Who? Who are you caring for? Please hear me on this. I'm going to go off for a second. Are you ready? Yeah, I know it's not unusual, but I'm going to go off anyway. Here we go. Guys, be careful. We can live our lives in a way where everything starts to become, Lord, how can I be more comfortable here? Every move I make, every decision I do, everything I take on is so that me is more comfortable. Be careful. God has not called you to comfort. We'll not find that in scripture. Not ever. He has called you. To be his hands and feet in this world. To reach out with great planning, with huge sharing, making much of your Savior. Caring for the material needs. Caring for the spiritual needs. Reaching out to the ones next to you that God might be glorified. That's what we're called to be. And all of God's people said, that's what we got to be going after, man. Let's get the ministry. It is not just about me, my little family, and our comfort. Lord, help us go after this as a body-wide, church-wide thing and um, reach out. I can't say it more clearly. Be in prayer for this one thing. If you want to be praying for something right now, we as a church are trying to figure out of the, of the four W's, worship, walk, work, and witness. We've been rounding out each W as we moved along in the years. It's time to be rounding out the witness W, bringing more and more to bear in this community. And what does that look like? And we've got some really cool stuff rolling up that we're trying to figure out and get details on. And uh, we're working with some key people in the lay body here who have connections. But Lord, show us exactly where. We're in planning phase. Lord, show us where. we got a desire to reach out with all we've got. Who, when, where, and how. Let us be wise to that. 
And uh, we're talking about areas of the poor, the fatherless, the widows, and what all that looks like. We're going to be bringing more of that in January, February, March. And I am so excited about what God's doing here. And uh, we haven't seen it all make sense yet. And uh, so I'm telling you things that uh, we don't have answers to. Please be praying for clarity on those answers that God might be glorified. All right? That's a huge prayer request that this body could really become the light of Christ in the Peoria area. Okay? All right, number three, pray. Partner with one another as we bring the many needs of the church before our God. Partner with one another as we bring the many needs of this church before our God. Pray. And I just mentioned it with praying for where we're at. Let's look at a little detail on prayer. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. I appeal to you. Like I'm pleading with you. I'm longing for this to be true. Please make this happen. Paul's saying, I I appeal to you by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit. I thought it was a little strange that the Father wasn't mentioned there. It was just Christ and the Spirit. And I was like, I wonder what that's all about. I did a little reading and thinking on it. And and it doesn't say exactly, but I'll just tell you this. Here's two thoughts I came to. Uh, Christ, well, that's how we're connected into the body. Through his work on the cross. And then the spirit. Well that's how we're convicted and growing. The two works that bring us in. And grow us up. Christ and the Holy Spirit. And uh, yes the father's will over it all. And yes his planning in place. But Christ and the spirit. Making your life on fire. For Jesus Christ. And uh, connecting us. And convicting us. It says uh, a few things now about prayer. And uh. Five things about prayer that we need to note. Ready? Five things about prayer we need to note. Number one, it will take effort. Effort. He says, strive. Right? Sweat equity. Uh, All too often we think of prayer as something we can say in 24 seconds or less. Prayer. If I actually have to take longer than the amount of time it would take me to get to my knees, it's taking too much time. And we're missing it. Prayer, it is a time of actual sweat equity pouring in and uh, longing for God to be invested in it. And yeah, I'm not sure I totally get prayer, Tim. And uh, good, hang on just a sec. All right, we're going to explain it a little bit. Uh, Effort, number two, uh, it is corporate. Notice it says strive together. It's a one anothership. There is a partnership. Yes, we do pray alone. Yes, we do pray together. It is a partnership in this thing and a huge corporate call. He says, strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. Now he goes into some detail about what that is, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that any service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. Paul, he's saying, please pray for this on my behalf. Notice, be specific. Okay, that's the third part of prayer. Be specific. And uh, here's my specific request. That it would go well with the unbelievers in in Judea. And that the uh, stuff we bring would be an acceptable service to the saints in Jerusalem. Right? The thing I'm about to go on ministry-wise. Please pray that it works well and effectively and that things don't go wrong. That was Paul's request. Did it get answered? Yes. 
Yeah, kind of not really. Please help those people in Judea to be good with me. Prison, okay. Okay. Well, I guess we'll go with the prison thing then. And uh, how often is our prayer life like that? We're like, Lord, please this. And God's like, yeah, we're pretty much not. We're going that way. We're not going that way. This is how we're going instead. And I need you to come along with me on this because I've got something bigger than you could ever imagine. And uh, usually we don't hear it that way. We hear it more as, no, I'm going to punish you. That's how we hear it. We're missing it as God's doing a huge work um, prayer. It's about us depending upon him for God to get what he wants, not for us to get what we want. Whenever I hear somebody say prayer doesn't work, I guarantee you their definition of prayer is I ask God gives and that doesn't work. I agree with you. That does not work. We have a number of statements in scripture about it. James four. If you ask a miss that you might consume it on your own loss, the answer will be no. If you're just consuming it on you and okay, it wasn't even that. I just wanted to be glorifying the God and God's like, that's great. But I have a will I'm working out and trust me, I see things you don't see and If we address prayer as I get, we're going to miss it. It will kill your prayer life. If you change it to, Lord, you get. What do you want here? My specific request in as far as I can see, it looks like this. But your will be done. That's how Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. You lay out the specifics and then you hand it back to him and you say, your will be done, Lord. Your will be done. And uh, that's power prayer. And uh, please hear me. Don't just quit and go right to the end. Whatever. You do everything anyway, your way. So just your will. Uh, That's lame prayer. All right. I refuse to be specific because I won't get what I want. Uh, Okay. Your heart was just revealed. Okay. How about Lord, as far as I can tell, it looks like this. But if I'm wrong, correct me and teach me. What did I miss? What wasn't I seeing? Reveal to me your bigger plan than the plan I have. And I'm ready to change, Lord. Prayer. Prayer changes me. All too often we think prayer changes God. If we bash him hard enough, if we get enough people on it, then we'll get the guy to give us what we want. Prayer. Yeah, that doesn't work. You will be infuriated and you will always think that prayer is dumb. That's because you're trying to get the wrong thing out of it. How about submissive relationship with your king as he rocks your world? Prayer. All right. So effort, a corporate element, specific in detail, submissive to God's will. That's number four. Submissive to God's will. We just went through that piece. Um, He says, so that by God's will, I may come to you. He places it in God's will. And uh, James 4 addresses that as well, right? What are we but a vapor who appears for a little time? If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. And, uh, and then the last, it's the source of joy and peace. Philippians 4 is so clear on this. Um, verses 3 through 9 of Philippians 4. But he says here, uh, that I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Prayer. It can bring an awesome sense of peace and joy as you let God lead in your life, as the plans you take on, as the sharing you look for, you lay it down before your king and you say, now this is what I see, God, but I'm willing for it to be anything else. You're in charge. 
There is work to be done in this place, God, and I know you have your hand on it. I'm longing for you to take over whatever you want. May your will be done. That prayer will change your life. Now open my eyes, Lord, that I can see you move and watch God work. Sweat equity, corporately as we call it together, submitting to God along the way, a passion for him in it in specific and detail, looking for joy and peace because it's from the author of our great God, prayer. And uh, so simple question, how's your prayer life? My request to you this week, commit to being on your knees and spending some time. Uh, you may not know this, but we watch over uh, a sending base, it's called, of Harvest Bible Chapels. We have eight churches that we're watching over that we help with. And uh, God's been blessing here greatly, and so we pour it on out into some other churches. And churches in Illinois, uh, Harvest Woodhull, Harvest Decatur, uh, church in Indiana, West Indy, churches in Tennessee, Chattanooga, and Nashville, and Knoxville, and in St. Louis, Missouri, and, uh, and then Haiti. And uh, Haiti's kind of not as close. But we get a chance to watch over them. And my request is be praying for those churches, praying for those. I'm going to put some things up on Facebook this week that will just post the names of the churches that we watch over. Get there. Check it out. Be praying for those churches that God might be able to stir in them and that whatever we might need to be able to do to be a part of helping. And it could be that there's some things coming up with Haiti and we'll see. I know we got some short term trips for next year and may God turn us into a planning church a sharing church, and a praying church that he might be glorified. And all of God's people said, let's pray.